Ho, 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 and a bottle of rum. This is our coronavirus special. I'm George Sabados, and I've got Brett Patterson on the other line. How are you, Brett? I'm good, George. You? Good. Thank you very much. We're the team from Float Your Boat. And who do we have on today, Bretty boy? Well, it's a funny story, George. So remember, remember when I backed out of the driveway and hit the guy on the push bike? Yes. Lee Callister, who we've had on yes. the program. Yes. Because it was such a good story. Well, yes. well, I didn't hit this guy when I was reversing. Oh, that's but, a surprise. <laughs> but I did. So I had all these problems with Optus. Go figure. You'd have a problems with a telco, right? Mm. And I went to – oh, so it's a long story. But anyway, it was a nightmare. Anyway, I went. eventually I went to Optus and I, by luck, landed a really good customer service guy – Named Adib Nagui. Right. And what's his claim to fame? I don't know. But <laughs> no, no, we got to. He's a young guy. He's a young guy from Lebanon. Um, and he's here studying medicine. And he's got a remarkable story. He started telling me his story. Um, I don't think it was a sales pitch. Um, it might have been, but it was a certainly. Um, and you said, stop, stop, stop it. I've stop. got to get you on to float your boat. That's what I said. Don't tell me any more. Don't tell me any more. Except for so I kept on calling him Adobe instead of a dip. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, oh, no, you could be ad lib. Like there's just so many derivatives, Habib, Adub, Aboob. That is, that is not funny, Brett. That he is thought, not funny, I'm sure. He thought did it was funny? was funny. He did. Oh, wow. Okay. So Okay. So anyway, so I, I think he's had a pretty tough life um, living in Lebanon. I think he's seen things that most young boys shouldn't have to see. Um, so, yeah, let's – we so Shall him, we get him on? Let's get him on. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Uh, Adib Nagui, welcome to our Zoom studio. Uh, we can't have face-to-faces anymore. Zoom. And, and, it, and it's, it serves us well. We, it serves us well because... because God, George has Brett, got a Brett great head for radio. Last, year, <laughs> last season, I do. I do. Now, Adib, you're you're Lebanese. Yes, I am. And you're a young man who came to Australia on your own. Yes, that is true. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Where, which town were you born in? So I was born in a small fishing town in the north of Lebanon called uh, Tripoli. And it's a very like small, tight knit community. Everybody knows everybody. And I lived there up until I was almost 17. And then I moved down here when I graduated high school. 
did you so, in growing up growing up in Tripoli tell us describe what it was like I, I didn't realize Tripoli was a small fishing village it's Tripoli is like the tribe comes from three cities I lived in a town called Elmina which is like the port where all the fishing happens um like all I remember from my childhood was happy memories like I had a really fun time growing up my parents were really good parents um, but living in like in between Syria and just having a lot of internal conflict in the country wasn't the really best of experiences. Like I remember so many times waiting for the school bus, there would be bullets that would like fly around and then some of them would fall and land in front of me. So from that regard, it wasn't really like the safest of places, but I mm. always had a fun time growing up. So uh, Adib. Did you have uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have one older sister, and that's us, just a brother and a sister. That's very unusual for a Lebanese family to just have Yeah, two. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, did, uh, and tell us about your father. What, what, what did your mother and father do for a living? So my dad still does um, uh, work in hospitals, so he's an ER doctor. He's oh, done right. that for as long as I can remember. And then my mother uh, used to be a hematologist. So I have very vivid memories of me being a kid, just sitting on the stool with them at work, like running blood samples or seeing patients coming in. So I had a really interesting experience with that growing up, just having both parents as doctors. Well, I, I would say that, um, you know, ER would have been mandatory for, like it would have been a very busy job uh, and being a hematologist yeah. would have been a very busy job in Lebanon yeah. during all the troubles yeah yeah my I remember some very traumatic stories that my dad used to tell me but my mother knew that both their jobs were demanding so she made an effort for somebody to be around at home which most of the times was her and then my dad still does the EO work to this day, even with all the coronavirus stuff happening. He's the one that admits all the patients to the hospitals. So it's mm. it's a tough gig, but it's really rewarding. Can can you share some of the stories that they, they told you about? Yeah, my God. Um, I would have been eight years old when my dad told me about, I'm like, a mini civil war happening near the Syrian border. And then that sort of started spreading out across the country into our town. And then there was people that kept getting shot. So I remember one time he told me that he had a guy who was caught through barbed wire. So do you know how on some cars they have like a hook at the back of it? Yes. The car was skidding around like an army checkpoint and then it hooked onto the barbed wire and then the barbed wire started hooking around a guy's leg and it completely like started cutting it and then they thought that he was like you know a suicide bomber so they shot him in the head and i remember my dad describing that when he came into the hospital and then people were like they wanted to come in and id the body but they weren't allowed to and just you know like really like hardcore stories like that wouldn't be like what you'd expect an eight-year-old to hear. Did you uh, did you witness any of this um, this sort of stuff when as you grew up? 
I you? did, yeah. Yeah. So I used to, fun fact, I used to manage a music store in my hometown for about four years. And then one day on the job, the roof just like shook a little bit really quickly. And then dust started falling down. I didn't think much of it. I thought the neighbors upstairs would have been jumping and throwing stuff on the floor. And then the, the owner calls me. He's like, yeah, I did close up shop. There was just an explosion. I'm like, okay. So I'm just closing up the shop, walking home. And then another bigger explosion happens literally across the road from my house. And I remember while I was walking to go home, I saw like broken cars, buildings that have been burned black. Uh, like obviously the people that were affected there, I saw an, in an increasingly amount of dead bodies. Like I just remember it so vividly because it was one of my last memories before I left the country and moved here. So I have seen my fair share of traumatic sites but like it, it is what it is it made me who i am today do you think seeing all of that violence has had an effect on your life now in a way it makes me appreciate life more so that's why i i really think cherishing the time you have with people or just treating people kindly the way that you want to be treated has a big effect because you never know what could happen, when it might happen, and just just appreciating the kindness in people. Don't take people for granted. Atiba, I, I um, you know, we talk about in the Western world, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, and people people get labelled having had that for all sorts of reasons. Some not so traumatic over over things some not so traumatic as what you've experienced. Do you think that you've you've been affected by that? Not not as much as I assumed I would. So like in the in the weeks after what I saw, I had trouble sleeping. And I had like moments throughout the day where I just like twitch and start remembering what happened. But as I got older and my focus has changed, it it hasn't affected me as much. But mm. Now, when I look back at like growing up or when I think like, oh, yeah, I want to plan a trip back home, I start to remember everything that's happened. So it's kind of a tricky one. So um, fast forward a little bit. Um, why? What was the reason for you to move here? So, Australia in particular, I guess. Yeah. So my dad has been an Australian citizen since around he was my age. So I remember one time when... When I was little, after my mom died, we were going on like a father-daughter-son bonding trip. And then he pulled out an Australian passport and gave it to me. And I'm like, oh, dad, what's this? He's like, oh, yeah, it's your passport. I'm like, oh, looky there. I've got a foreign citizenship. And then he told me, yeah, like, if you graduate high school here and go to university there, you can defer the payments. And, like, there's government assistance that we can't have in Lebanon. So... He, he knew that it was a better life for me, which is why he told me, like, when you graduate, you, you're going to be heading down there for sure. But how did he how did he acquire Australian citizenship, Adib? When he was a graduate from high school, there was, I think it was around the time of civil war in Lebanon. So mm -hmm. he got a grant to come and study medicine in Geelong in Melbourne. And he did that for about 
eight or nine years, and then he just got the postgrad visa and then the citizenship. Yeah, right. And 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 the government gave him citizenship. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank heavens. Otherwise, I don't know where my life would have ended up. Yeah, right. So, how is it that you ended up in was it Bondi, Brett? Bondi Junction. Yeah. Well, that's where I met Adib. As I said in the preamble, uh, yes, it, it was. Uh, it was be, the Optus shop. It was the Optus, the Optus shop. Yeah, mate. Telcos, you know, my favourite thing. But, uh, but, but you live in you live in Sydney, obviously, um, and you go to what university do you, do you go to? I go to UTS, which is where I also live on campus. And what I do? Yeah. Okay. And what are you studying? Uh, currently, doing a bachelor of biomedical science with honors. What does, so, that yeah, we'll see. what does that mean, Adib? So if you ever want to get your blood work done or you ever have a growth that you don't really know if it's benign or not, come and see me. I'll get you sorted. George has got, <laughs> George has got a growth. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew you'd go there. I knew Even I there. knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly, I certainly, I'm certainly at the age where I'd need to have uh, my blood tested every every year. So... So we need guys like you. We you don't need... look a day over twenty six, George. What are you yeah, th- talking about? Thanks, thanks very much, Brett. Brett, obviously, uh, listeners, you can't you can't see this, but Brett obviously dressed up in his finest for you, Adib. The... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a shave in two weeks, and I'm going to grow my hair. I'm, my my barber is is now out of business because. Um, yeah, the situation and oh, well, your barber as well, George Tony yes, Tony right. Sterling, and uh, that's right. That's a very sad day that after thirty years of him cutting people's hair. So I, yeah. in protest, I'm not getting my hair cut until this is over. So You'll it could be with... ugly. Oh God, you get jeez, gee whiz, you get it. Could be ugly. It's already ugly. <laughs> it's a, a, a dip, a dip. What's it like? Okay, you. What's it like being being a medical student, and and having to deal with the coronavirus? Like, how is it playing out for you? Lord, so it's ten thirty, and this is my second cup of coffee for the day. So pretty much sleep deprivation all the way because I have to juggle work and studies. Yep. Um, uni's all shifted online now because of everything that's happening. So all my classes are either on Zoom, Microsoft Teams, which is kind of ironic when you think of like the medical field is always on hand. There's not yes. much stuff that you could do virtually. Yes. So it's it's tough getting adjusted, but the university is doing its best to sort of try and get everyone up to speed with everything and not get them to slip in their degrees just because of this happening. It'll be a very interesting time uh, for universities as well because they, they, they've invested billions of dollars building large faculties and now all the students are sitting at home and doing everything online. It's, um, it'll be a real challenge to get them back in the classroom again. Yeah, my God, everyone being used to doing everything online, just chilling in your undies, watching your lectures. Yes, watching Netflix to... on the other screen. Yeah. True, yeah. Watching it, watching ER and House on the other screen. That's right. Well, that's how he gets his practice. That's right. So, so Adib, you know, obviously you have to have another job apart from studying because it costs money to do all that. Yeah. Um, and that that 
uh, opens the door for working at Optus and how I mm. came across you. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about working in Optus. Oh, dear. Firstly, before you do that, yes, was he was he a big complaining customer? Was he was he <laughs> was he a pain in the neck? Excuse Look, in, in, initially a little bit. I was like, oh my god, this guy again. Yeah, he, he, he told me how many times he made a trip to Optus to the Optus store. He, he was there a dozen times, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's why I kept seeing him. Like when he rocked up and I and I served him, I was like, oh my god, he's been here like a million times and he's still not sorted. I wonder what it is. And 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 I did tell them tell the listeners what I went through and the trauma PTSD. Oh my god, of, of phones. Oh, yeah, PTSD. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. So, <laughs> listeners, um, Mr. Brett came into the store with his brand-new shiny phone saying that it wasn't working. And then he had spoken with tech support that, that were off, I mean, that were shut off the day after he came and spoke to them. So it was just getting his phone sorted so he could uh, stop, you know, saying like, oh my God, my life is over. I don't have my phone. I need to take cute selfies and post them on Facebook. Excuse me. I'm the comedian <laughs> here, not you. Stick, stick to biomedical. Fat middle-aged, man. Fat, middle, fat middle-aged man can't deal with, with his phone. Oh, that was just the start of it. Let me tell you, my oh phone my was the God. least of it. Oh, it goes on. It goes on. It goes on. This is about on. this is about a dib, not about you, Brett. I know that's true. Let's <laughs> let's get back to you, a dib. So, so how many years into your um, degree are you? I am in my third de- third year. I used to do part time studies, which is why it's taken me a little bit of time to finish it up. But I've got mm. another year left. And then I'm doing the GAMSAT and hopefully getting into actual medicine at UCID. Are you planning on staying here or are you planning on going back to Lebanon? Oh, I'm staying here for sure. Definitely not going back to live or work in Lebanon. I'll go see my family and my friends, but I won't go and like build a life there because my life's already here. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was just thinking you'd get a lot of practice over there, wouldn't you? A lot of yeah, experience. Yeah, because of the work that my dad does, he told yep. me, like, when you graduate, you've got a job waiting here. Yeah. But, like, do I want to risk everything that I've worked hard building here and just let it all go and move back? But but things have settled in Lebanon now, haven't they? Well, what's a the, little what's bit, the, yeah. What's the situation like on a, like a year-to-year basis in Lebanon? So Lebanon just came out of a mini-rebellion where... It started off, I think, back in November or December. The government wanted to tax WhatsApp. They wanted to start charging people $6 for using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kid you not. And then people, like, just had enough. Like, that was the last straw. They had put up with years and years of, like, injustice, bullying, stealing public funds, all of that. So they started, like, shutting roads, shutting businesses, offices, schools, um, burning tires to like stop cars coming in and out of the roads. And that happened up until early March. And then the whole coronavirus situation started in Lebanon. So the country just moves from one trouble to the other, but they come out resilient regardless, which is why I still go back there. I, I did, you're not, you're not a, 
political expert, but why is Lebanon such a country of turmoil and disruption and and never really had long periods of peace well since the early 70s? I believe it's it's because of like where it's located geographically in between like uh, Israel slash Palestine at the bottom. You've got Syria all across the other side. So just being around so much political tension and having so many migrants coming in from different countries, mm. in addition to the people elected into power, they're not really the most understanding people. All they care about is their pockets. So by doing that, it really affects the people negatively and they just feel so oppressed that like the only way for them to feel a sliver of being normal is just to like react and revolt and just have all this sort of stuff going on that's been happening the past dozens of years. But it becomes, over time, it becomes a habit. Yeah, yeah, like there's this this ongoing thing in Lebanon where um, there's like, three major political parties if if you're like really into the party and then people start talking with each other and they find out they like support opposing parties oftentimes there'd be shootouts like it would get that bad just because you're part of a different political party oh wow at least where i'm from that's what happened in optus with me there was a shootout in the end (laughs) sorry it's not about me let me shut up it, it's it's like the wild wild west of the Middle East. It's uh, it pretty is. much, yeah. <laughs> and why aren't you? Uh, uh, so, do you go back for holidays? Have you been back recently? Uh, the last time I went back was November of 2018, and I haven't been back since, just because the ticket to go is really expensive. So, does your family come to visit you here? No, I'm the one that makes a trip out to them. Yeah, you know, I, I um. I had fun, fun, fun times in Lebanon when I was there in 2006. Uh, I went to Beirut. I came back maybe seven kilos heavier. Uh, you know, they, the the people are very, very generous, very loving, caring, and and um, and hospitable. Um, but the nature of the people is very different to the nature of the government. What I observed. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's incredible that they. Um, they rise up and, and protest about things, whereas we're in Australia, we're a little bit, you know, reserved, reluctant, reluctant yeah. to yeah. to to rebel against anything. We let uh, we 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 go. Oh, that's okay. We'll get over it. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> I think because in Australia there's that many different cultures and there's that good of an infrastructure, like people don't feel the need that they have to act out. But in mm. Lebanon, we don't have public health care. We don't have like stuff like Centrelink, Medicare, anything like that. So it's pretty much like you're on your own. Like if my dad wasn't a doctor, I wouldn't have insurance. Well, how do you think the coronavirus is affecting? Have you heard how it's affecting your, your family yeah. and, and Lebanon in general? It's pretty much the same thing. Like people aren't allowed to go out of their homes only to like buy groceries or if they're visiting a partner or like a family member that's sick and in need, Mm -hmm. the the military is getting up in helicopters and like in speakers, they're just broadcasting, stay at home, stay at home, like three or four hours a day. Businesses are being affected and shut down. Um, Yeah. It's just 
it's it's hard like seeing our, a town that I remember so vivid and so alive just completely shut down mm, so it's mm. kind of heartbreaking to see so do you find um are you finding uh it hard being here by yourself like do you miss your family I mean it, it must be a lot of pressure on a, a young fella like yourself to have to study as hard as you are and work as many hours as you do do you think that that's having a an effect on you yeah like i miss my family every day like especially around the holidays like now easter and then christmas and everything my family never celebrated the holidays but it was more about us all being together just sat Mm. at the dinner table having a laugh having some of my grandmother's foods and just being exposed to that environment for so many years and then moving down here i really struggled with depression the first Mm. Three years that I was here, I was on antidepressants for like as long as I could remember. But then once I got a good job where I am now, it sort of gave me a purpose. So now I sort of channel everything I do into my work and it's sort of worked out well for me so far. And I've got a good support network of friends. So it's it's only ever a text or a phone call away. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's great. great. I, the the antidepressants, the, they must have... Um, they must have uh, impaired your ability to study yeah yeah oh my god my attention span was that of a goldfish and my yeah. weight shot off insanely like my i think at my heaviest was when i used to work at a bakery i got up to i think i was 130 kilos what yeah well i for just for the listeners that's out nearly there, up to your you, weight george almost <laughs> He's almost there, but you know, I'm assuming for such a young man to be at 130 kilos, that would have been uh, like obscenely large. Because you look very, uh, you look slim now. You look, nat- you look healthy. Yeah. You know that. That. Uh, how did you? How did you lose it all? Um, the first time I went back to Lebanon after I moved here, I was at my heaviest, and then I, I kept seeing all of my friends and my family. And then one time I went up to my school to say hi to my teachers. And then one of them just sort of put their ear next to my stomach, started rubbing it in circles. And then he was like, look me in the eye. He's like, how far along are you? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you haven't seen me in five years. And that's the first thing that you say. So it, it, it sort of started off from a place of quote unquote bullying and body shaming. Mm. Yep. But then it grew into me not feeling comfortable in my own skin, like looking at the mirror and not liking the person that's there. So I started dieting, going to the gym, just being more conscious and conscious in what I eat and how I move. And I got down to 77. And right now I'm about 84, 85. That's terrific. Fantastic. 84, 85. I was that back in 84, 1901. No, 84, 84, 1984, 1985. That's that, that was weird. the only two years, right? <laughs> <laughs> I shot past that mark. <laughs> you know, last time we were down at the beach, um, Adobe, uh, George was laying on the beach getting some sun and Greenpeace came and tried to push him back out to sea. It's not, it's not quite like that. Did, but when I wear my my budgie smugglers, um, I notice that people clear a path for me <laughs> to, the, to the beach. <laughs> so, uh, so Adib, oh, you're, you're, you're through all that, and you're on the other side of the, of the depression um, and the hard times. 
So what's uh, what's next for you, for you? Oh wow! I really want to just keep up the momentum, not feel down, not feel any negativity, and just get good marks at uni, just so I can get into actual medical school at UCID. Because mm-hmm. the test to get in there is like seven hours like a seven hour test and that requires a lot of effort and hard work. So I'm going to be focusing on that as well as keeping up the momentum at work, you know, serving amazing, lovely people like Brett day in, day out. I'm sure everything you undertake, you'll do absolutely fantastic because you're that sort of young man. Um, That's what I found where, you know, you were the only person in Optus for listeners, if you ever have to go to Optus at Bondi Junction, ask for a dib or a boob or ad lib or Adobe. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he is a whiz at sorting all. The oh, they're going to fly. They're going to fly in now from all parts of Australia. Brett. That's fine. They're more than welcome as long as they keep the social distancing guidelines of 1.5 meters. Yep. And and I and I commend you, Adib. Anyone that could handle Brett as a customer <laughs> has my tick of approval. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> mate. He wasn't that bad. Let's give him a little bit of credit. Now, Adib, we always finish with a song. Um, yes. Uh, that's that's our way of, I guess, out there now, especially of cheering people up. So, have you got a favourite song? He worked in a record shop. He should. I uh, did. Yeah, my favourite song is. Probably, it's really hard to encompass because I've got that many different styles that I listen to, but I would say Everglow by Coldplay. Um, When their album came out, the song was just a really happy sort of mellow song. And then I'm obsessed with playing on the piano. And then when I saw them live, before they played the song, they introduced it as, this song is about sending happiness to the world, about people in need, everyone struggling, everyone having a tough time. We yep. dedicate the song to you. So after that, I've got a fond memory of associating that song with like every hard time I've had in my life. Fantastic. So I'd say, yeah, that song. Brett, do you know it? I do know it. Of course I of course I know it. You know it, don't you, George? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Okay, sing it then. Go. Are you ready? <laughs> One, <laughs> two, three, four. <laughs> it, it start, it's the same, same beat, right? Same tempo. As all their other as songs. all their other songs. Actually, I saw a very good meme. I saw a very good meme on uh, Instagram. It was uh, a warning, a COVID warning, that if you receive a link saying yes. that Chris Martin's doing a live streaming concert, yes, uh, when you go in, don't click on the link because you will hear a live um, <laughs> concert of Chris Martin. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Adib, thank you for today. Um, I know some of the stuff that because we got talking because I was in Optus for so long, um, we got talking and I've, I, I, I thought that your story was amazing. Um, I told George about it. George thought it was a great idea to get you on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate your honesty amongst Thank you for having me. Stuff. Um, Thank you, Adib. Adib, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, you Adib. for having me. Adib, Thank you. Uh, yeah, you have a uh, a good Easter, even though you're Happy by yourself. Easter. Hope you've yep. got some friends yeah. to ha- to at least get on Zoom with and have a chat with. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. Hopefully. And to all the listeners out there, we hope you have a, as good of an Easter as possible. 
Um, I was going to tell a few Easter jokes, but George reminded me that all my Easter jokes are visual. and They're so, visual. Yeah, you can't do it. Can't do it. So no. we've got to go. We've got to go. Brett, let's get off. Thanks, Adib. Take care. Thanks, Adib. Anytime, guys. Thank you. You take care. Good luck.
So if you love someone, you should let them know. Well, the light that you left me will ever glow.